morning, church. Good morning, good morning. Everybody all right? I, I, I don't know why I did that. Uh, how about those OSU Cowboys? They need a little love. We are, we are the house of love, are we not? We're all inclusive. Um, I see that there's many empty seats from the Sooner fans. Every time the Sooners... I'm just telling you, if you know a Sooner fan and they're not here, you, you get your phone out right now, you text them right now and say, you can get your butt in church because Pastor Brad's talking about you. I guarantee you 10% of our church attendance drops when the Sooners lose. I, I don't know why that happens, but it does. I, it's a spiritual condition and we need to pray for them, do we not? Amen. Because I know the rest of you, that are, who, any Sooner fans in the house, there's your, there's your spirit-filled believers right there. That's right. Oh, a giant stands before me. Amen. All right. Uh, we are in part two, uh, a follow-up from last week. We're in our series called Villains. And this week actually wasn't even supposed to happen, uh, but I had so much overflow from week one that I really felt very impressed that God said, this is a message I need you to preach in this series. And when God does that to me, he messes up my plans that I'm a planner. I like thinking ahead. I like Anybody planners? You're a planner? Let me see your hands if you're a planner. Okay, I like to know what's coming, and when, so when God jacks up and messes up my plans, I don't like that, because I'm like, God, it's a four-week series, and then I got the next series, and I got it all laid out to the end of the year. It's going to be beautiful. And he said, no, I'm just going to mess it up a little bit. I'm going to stick this extra message in here. So this is an extra. This is from the overflow, so I think this is really going to be helpful, very, very practical for uh, many of us today. But if you weren't here last week, we started the series of Villains with probably the greatest villain in all of Scripture, and that is Goliath. We talked about actually the villain behind Goliath, and that's fear. If you missed it, go back, listen to the podcast. I think that will be a very helpful message for you as well. So what we talked about last week was this idea that though a giant stands before me, heaven's armies stand beside me. So we talked about that a little bit last week. So now I want to take you up to, to part two. And in part two, this is where we're going to be, 2 Samuel chapter 21. 2 Samuel chapter 21. I encourage you to bring your Bible with you or get out your mobile device, download a Bible. There's tons of them out there. I read out of the New Living Translation. If you don't have a Bible, they're free here at this church. You can get them after the service right up here in the front, or you can go back to the Next Steps room and we'll, we'll get you one. But we're going to be in 2 Samuel 21 today. And what we talked about last week, let me set this up. What I talked about last week was how Goliath was the Philistine champ. And what many times we overlook in the story of David and Goliath is he wasn't the only giant. There were a few more giants in the land, and Goliath happened to be the champion of the giants. So he was the big stud, but he wasn't the only one. And so we're fast-forwarding several years. We don't know how many years that we have gone forward here, but we do know that David is king at this time, and there's another battle about ready to take place. 2 Samuel chapter 21, okay? Not 1 Samuel, but 2 Samuel. And verse 15 is where I, I want to read. And now there's a lot of names, and you guys are going to have to give me a pass, okay? You ever read the Bible, and they come across some of these names, you're like, I, I have no clue. I went on BiblePronunciation.com, which isn't a real website, but I, I, I went on a websites trying to decipher how to pronounce these guys' names, and they had like three or four different pronunciations of the same name. 
So I could make up the name. You wouldn't even know. You'd go, oh, that's how you say that, because I would sound very scholarly, very biblical, but I, I want to walk with integrity. I don't know how to pronounce half these names. So here's what I'm going to do. If I don't know how to pronounce it and I start to stumble, I'm going to point at you and you're going to say, that guy. Okay? So let's practice that. Thank you. All right. So verse 15. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. So this is several years after Goliath. And when David, he's king, and his men were in the thick of battle, David became very weak and exhausted, was a descendant of the giants. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him, but son of came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Never heard the Bible read like this in church before, have you? Then David's men declared, I like this, you're not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? What is wrong with you, man? You're king. You can't do this. And after this, there was another battle against the Philistines at Gob as they fought from some place, and he killed Saif, another descendant of the giants. Now, during another battle at Gob, son of, from Bethlehem, killed the brother of Goliath of Gath. So Goliath did have a brother, and the handle of his spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. Now, in another battle, this is, this is giant number four if you're keeping track. In, in another battle with the Philistines at Gath, they encountered a huge man, six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot. I like how they have to tell us how many that is because we don't know. 24 in all. Th thank you. Um, was also a descendant of the giants, but when he defied and taunted Israel, he was killed by Jonathan, the son of David's brother, that guy. These four Philistines were descendants of the giants of Gath, but David and his warriors killed them. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this word that you've given to us today. It's a word that you want us to hear, that you've carved out for this, this time and this season. And so in this moment, uh, I want to ask that you would speak to us and that we would be able to hear from you. And I want to ask you as a church to be praying for everybody around you, not just yourself. Pray first for yourself that you would be open to the word of God, but pray for those around you too, that we, we all need to hear from him today. And would you also pray for me as your pastor that I'll be faithful to the text and that the Holy Spirit will just speak through me today and we can all get some help out of his word today. If you're ready to hear from him, in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Well, it is a fall break. And so this week, Laura and I are headed out to Los Angeles, California. Going to go see our two oldest kids, and uh, more importantly, Laura's going to get to go see her grandbabies, which is what this is all about. We sent our two of our children on. We've got four all together, and we've already sent two of them out there, so we're actually thinking about staying home for a week by ourselves. <laughs> it would be amazing, uh, but that would be wrong. So uh, we are actually uh, driving, yeah, you heard me right, driving to California. We do this drive Every year, if you've never, anybody ever done a long road trip before? Let's see, okay, okay, most of you have all done long road trips before. Uh, this drive is 22 hours, and normally we have three drivers because Jer can drive, and so Laura can drive, and I can drive, and we kind of switch it up. But this time it's just Laura and I. I'm asking for you to intercede in deep prayer for me, because when Laura gets behind the wheel, maybe this is you, it, it acts as a sleeping agent to her. 
She's perfectly awake while I'm driving. I'm driving. I'm like, baby, you need to be sleeping right now. I know, but I'm just not tired. I'm just not tired at all. I don't know why, but I'm not tired. I'm like, you need to sleep because you need to take your turn. Well, I'm not tired. So we pull over, go to Love's Truck Stop. She gets in the car. She gets behind the wheel. What happens? 20 minutes later, (laughs) out every time. So I need you all to pray that she stays awake. I mean, when she can't sleep at night, you know what I do? I go out in the driveway. I yank the steering wheel off the car, and I give it to her. And she's like, oh, thank you, honey. Now I'm going to sleep like a baby. But the drive out there is, is really honestly not that big a deal. I mean, it's, it's a long drive, but it's exciting. Is it not when you go on a road trip because you're getting ready to go see some people and, 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 and you really, you, you have no clue, you know, how long that drive's going to be. You have no clue how long it's going to take to get there, and, and, and you don't realize it, and you're just all amped up, and you're all excited, and you go, and, and so you're driving, and everybody's happy, and we're going to go to the beach, and da, 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 and then we pass a lot of landmarks along the way. We go through New Mexico, see the plateaus, the Painted Desert, Grand Canyon, we see mountains, Big Bear, all this stuff. It's just, it's an unbelievable drive going out there. Going out there, the drive out there is never the problem for us. It's the return trip. That's the problem. That's the one that just jacks up our family and almost puts us into counseling together because we can't handle it. We get in the car because when when the trip is, when your vacation is over and you turn and you stare at that trip that's waiting on you, you know what's coming, don't you? Like you know what awaits you and you don't want that return trip. And did you rest on your vacation? No. Not at all. So you are, you're tired and you're cranky and so you start out and then you see the landmarks. The landmarks that were once exciting are now just like something out of a horror flick because you know when you see that landmark, it only tells you I have this far to go. Well, this is what we see here with David and what's happening in David's story right here is last week we talked about David and Goliath and, and how David, he's, he's out on the, the battlefield and, and it's just the great, I think it's one of the greatest stories in all of scripture. And he gets that sling and that, that rock and he throws it at Goliath, boom, hits Goliath, down he goes. It's over. An amazing story. Let me ask you this. Have you ever faced and conquered a giant only to turn around and see a, a, another giant crest in the hill. Like you're all excited, you had victory, everything was great, and you turn around and there's a, there's a return trip. And I think those giants are the hardest giants to face because you know what you're facing. You, you know what it took to get past that last giant. You know all the battles, you know all the landmarks, And now you've got to go and you've got to make a return trip. When we face these giants, it's just defeating. It's discouraging and it's difficult. And this is where we we find David in this story. Here's David. He's had this great victory over Goliath and all of a sudden he's facing a return trip. There's, there's, there's more. There's, there's more giants out there that I have to face. And even David 
got fatigued. Even David got tired. Last week, I talked to you about fear. Today, I want to talk to you about fatigue. Okay, so I want you to write that word down, fatigue. Okay, this is, I think the giant that we're going to be looking at today, the villain in this story, the true villain in this story is this word called fatigue. Anybody tired? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm tired. I'm tired. That's our favorite phrase in life, isn't it? That's like, been kind of, that's like the phrase of the decade. Hey, how you doing? I'm tired. I'm tired. Everybody's just tired. We're just tired. All How do we even get anything done? We're all tired all the time. Well, David, David got tired. He got fatigued. This is why. You go to 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 15. Let's look back at this again. And it says this. Say this together. Once again. I hate once again. I'm here again? Yes. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. Now, when we go to Los Angeles, one of my favorite things to do when we go to L.A. is to go to the ocean. I love the ocean. Anybody love the ocean? Ocean people? I love the ocean. Uh, Core Church, I don't know, our, our destination is Florida. I don't know why, but most people love to go to Florida. I think we, we own condos, uh, part-time timeshares or something at Destin. Every time I turn around, somebody from this church is going to Florida. This church loves the beach. And we just love going to the beach, don't we? And, and when we go to L.A., they, my kids said, Dad, what do you want to do while you're here? I said, well, I want to hug my grandkids, and I want to go to the beach. That's, that's what I want to do. I, I want to go to the beach because I love being in the ocean. And when you're, where you're in the ocean, it's just a lot of fun. But have you ever been in the ocean and then just turned around and boom, a wave just hits you out of nowhere? Now, let me ask you something. Did that wave hit you out of nowhere? Don't you just feel stupid when that happens? Like, because isn't that what the ocean does? You know, like, you turn around, you're not expecting it, and out of nowhere, boom, this wave hits you. But it doesn't come out of nowhere because... The ocean is doing what the ocean does, and that is make waves that knock you down. Listen, when the enemy comes along, he comes in like a wave, okay? And guess what? After one wave comes another, comes another, comes another wave. But we are surprised and shocked by it, are we not? Like we take down that giant, we're like, victory is mine, yes. And then, oh, boom, all of a sudden another giant is staring you down that you did not expect. And it can be so defeating because it's rarely the first giant that takes you out. It's the one you didn't see coming. It's always the one you didn't see coming. And, and it's, it's defeating because you got through one Goliath and you thought everything was going to be smooth sailing from there, but it's not. Like David, you face a once again. You face a second, you face a third, you face a, a fourth giant. And, and, and David is in this place right now where he is facing more giants. Like when you face that giant of that financial upheaval, that financial obstacle, that financial giant you have in your way. I was looking over all the prayer requests on Friday that's my day to pray for all the needs in the church. And when we pray, somebody's praying every single day for the needs that come in. And my, my day's Friday. And so for every Friday, 
I'm fasting and I'm praying for every need that comes in. And, and I was looking over them this Friday and I saw so many financial needs, so many people crying out for financial miracles. And, and have you ever had that financial obstacle and then God comes through? And, and is, is, is it not amazing when God comes through? I'm going to share one here in a few weeks of just a crazy, unbelievable financial miracle God did for my family. And, and, and when you have that miracle and you get excited, and, and so you've conquered that giant only to go to the mailbox and there's another giant or only to have your health break down on you or your child ends up in the ER unexpectedly or your car breaks down. You didn't expect that one and there's another giant after another giant after another giant. It's, it's like for David. It's like David gets out on the battlefield and he kills Goliath and he takes, this is such a cool story, he takes Goliath's huge sword and he just chops off uh, Goliath. Every guy likes this story. Ladies are like, that's just disturbing. But guys, we love it because it's a real brave heart moment. And so he chops off Goliath. It's like he takes it and I don't know if this is biblical or not, but I just envision him grabbing a hold of Goliath's head and going, Freedom! Just blood, just dripping everywhere. This is such a great moment. It's a good visual, is it not? Amen. Okay, three people said amen. <laughs> but I get this picture, like it's like woohoo, and they're all all the Israelite army are like looking at me, like what? How? And he turns around. There's like another giant crested in the hill. He's like, "Are you kidding me? Seriously? I mean, I just took this guy down, and there's there's more." Now, granted, this didn't happen immediately for David. It, it came years later, but he had more giants that were facing him. But David wasn't surprised. He was prepared. So many of us are surprised by the giants, but David wasn't. He was prepared, and he got prepared before the, he even had the very first battle with Goliath. we got to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 17. You don't have to go there right now. We'll put it on the screen for you, but you might want to write this down as a reference point. 1 Samuel 17.40, this is before the battle, and you probably know this part of the Scripture. It says this, he being David, before he killed Goliath, he picked up how many stones? How many stones? He picked up five from a stream and he put them into a shepherd's bag. Now, anytime the Bible mentions numbers, you need to pay attention. Numbers are important in the Bible. There's a reason why they put that number in the scripture. Now, when you think about why, why, why five stones, is it because in case he missed? That actually could be a very, very strong probability that he took five stones. He's like, if I miss, I got another one. Could it be in case he threw the first stone and it didn't actually kill Goliath? And he needed another one? That's another very strong probability. And maybe possibly why he, he did that. Could it be that he was taking into account the, the, uh, how, the space, how many feet were there, how, the wind conditions, and he had to pick out the, uh, the perfect stone in that moment? Could have quite be, possibly been one or all of those. But I, I want to submit to you that when you look at 2 Samuel chapter 21, and you see that David killing Goliath, was not the end of the story. There were how many more giants after Goliath? How many more? Four. For a total of? Okay, so just like in the Bible, you can do math. That's good. Okay, so there's five giants all together. Now, I, I'm going to just say this. I, I don't know that David knew that there were, there were five and the Holy Spirit imparted to him to pick up, told him, pick up five. Maybe but probably not. 
more than likely he just he picked up those stones. And I think one of the reasons he picked up five is because we do know the Israelite army knew Goliath wasn't the only giant. They knew that. They were very familiar with their enemy. And they knew Goliath wasn't the only giant. David knew that Goliath wasn't the only giant. He didn't know, is another giant going to crest that hill? Now, that giant didn't crest the hill for maybe a couple of decades, but that giant, he was ready. If another giant comes over that hill, David is saying, I'm going to be ready. So here's my question. Are you prepared for the giants in your life? Are you prepared to face them? Because David, David was. And I want to give you right now, I'm going to give you five stones that I think slay the giants. I'd like for you to write these down. Every one of us, you're either, you've either faced a giant, you're facing a giant, or you will face a giant. Because they keep coming in waves. They don't stop, they keep coming. And what I want to give you is five stones that slay the giants. And these come out of my own life. I've been following Jesus for 30 years, and I can tell you all five of these are proven. All five of these, I've seen them work in my life, and anytime I'm missing one of these, something is missing in my life, and the giant can take me down. Okay, so here they are. I'm going to give them to you, and then we're, we're going to talk for just a moment about a, a few of them. Okay, the first two I talked about last week, so I'm not going to spend much time on this one. The first two are this one, prayer and promises. Prayer and promises. Remember last week, I talked about you got to get in behind the armor bearer. I talked about getting in behind Jesus. Listen, when you're facing the giant, if you're not on your knees and you're not opening this book, the giant will take you down. I can't help you if you don't ever pick this up. If you never pick this up, what we're doing here is not going to help you. This just becomes a motivational talk and self-help unless you take it and put it into practice. Are you on your knees, and do you have a promise from God? Go back to the podcast from last week. If you missed it, I talked a lot, a lot about that. But let me give you the, the other ones here. The, the third stone is the word praise. Praise. In, in other words, music, songs, Christian music. Do you, do you have some praise and worship songs that you're, grabbing hold of, some, some songs that are meaningful to you in your life. Because, th listen, th this is the thing I know. Listen, Uptown Funk's going to give it to you, but it is not going to save you. Can I get an amen? I mean, I, I love me some Bruno Mars. I love all, I mean, I love listening to music. But I'm telling you, when I'm up against giants in my life, I, that's not on my radio. That's not on my on my uh, little uh, phone or device or anything I, I've got. It's not any way. I am zoned in. I am focused on worship music. In fact, when it really amps up and the, and the giants get really intense, I have my go-to, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I, I, I love black choir music. And there's just something about when I listen to that music and it just gets into my soul. And man, in fact, Laura will come into the house and if she hears a little BT choir in the background, she's like, oh, Jesus, help us now. This is going to be bad and I don't know what he's facing right now. But she knows when I'm putting that on that I'm just going to be like, yeah, because we pray. I mean, I just listen to that song over and over and over again on repeat because I need it to feed my soul. 
You got to get, get some music because music and, and praise will speak and say what you can't put into words. You ever notice that? Listen, there's a reason why we start every service with music. Because we need it. When we gather in this house, we come together, and we need those times when we're coming in, and we have somebody who's saying that I can stand resolute and say, it is well with my soul. Despite the giants I'm facing, despite the struggles, thank you, God, it is well with my soul. Let me say this as your pastor, and let me say this uh, because I love you, okay? When the band starts playing, That's not the cue to check your kids in. When the band starts playing, that's not the cue to go to the bathroom. When the band starts playing, that's not the time to go get another cup of coffee. You need to be in here. You should, you, there should be such an anticipation in your life. This is what the room should look like at 1025. It should look like this. Such an anticipation that if you're out in the hall and you hear the music start, you're like, excuse me, but I need some Jesus right now. And you walk off from whoever you're talking to to go and be in this room. That's why every Sunday I plant myself right there and I'm in the auditorium at about 1025. Why? Because I need it. Not because, I, well, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be in here. And if I'm not in here, it won't look right. No, my butt is in the seat because I need to be encouraged. Because sometimes I can't articulate the praise. I can't can't articulate the deep-seated pain and the struggle that's going on in my heart. But then the band gets up here and they start singing. And I'm like, that's exactly how I feel right now. But then they sing the promises of God. And I go, that's right. That's right. Praise. So it's prayer, it's promises, it's praise. Another one I I would give you, these all start with P because I'm a preacher and that's just how we roll. You know, you got to get them all sounding good. That's what preachers do. Um, The P is, the other one, the the, the fourth one stands for preaching. Not not preachers, preaching. We don't don't idolize preachers. We We don't follow preachers. We follow Jesus. That's who we follow. But God has set up the local church for us to come into his house every week. Every week. Turn to the person next to you and say, every week. Every week. God has set it up. Not Listen, when you look, God created and God created a Sabbath after seven days. You got seven days, you rest. You got, you got six days and you rest. Six days and you rest. Six days and you rest. Not six days and you sleep in. No, six days and you you rest. So many times we won't come to the house of God. We use, we use excuses, do we not, of why I, I can't come? Well, I'm tired and it's been a busy week and I'm just really tired. Just so worn out and it's the only day I have off. And so I just, I need rest. I can't go to church. When did church become work? No, no, no. You, listen, that is not a message from God. When you find yourself sitting at home just listen to me here. You find yourself sitting at home going, you know, yeah, it's just been a busy week, and there's just been a lot of trouble, a lot of struggles, and it's just, ah, it's just so, let's just stay home. Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit talking. Yeah, that's totally the Holy Spirit. That's exactly how God talks. 
Don't come to my house today. I certainly wouldn't want to encourage you. <laughs> Stay away. I don't want to wear you out. I'm really, I really want to apologize that I took an hour of your time. I mean, I, 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 thank you. Thank you. It's how we are in the church today. Man, God help us. That we have that kind of attitude that God steps out on the stage and goes, thank you so much. For hey, I'm only going to keep you an hour. It, it, really, seriously, if you just, just, just hang with me, okay? I promise you, I know I'm, I know I'm wearing you out, but I promise it won't, it'll, it's going to be over before you know it, and then you can get back to your life. No. God set up the local church to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So we get into the house of God to hear from the word of God. Not preachers, but preaching. You need to be under the teaching of a man or a woman who is proclaiming the truth from Scripture. I, I tell my kids this. They live in Los Angeles, and I tell them when they're like, trying to find a church, and I say, and they would call me and say, Dad, here's what they're saying. Here's what's going on. What do you think about this church and that? And I go, listen, if they're not teaching the Word, if they, if they don't teach the Word and they don't talk about Jesus, then get out of that church. Okay? This isn't about a preacher. This is about Jesus and the preaching, the proclamation of his work. But I, I want to spend a little bit more time on the fifth one. Here's the fifth one. The fifth one is people. People. We need people. There's some giants that you can conquer on your own, and some you can't. See, when you look at this story here, David, he gathers five stones to kill five giants, but he, he got some help with the other four. Go to 2 Samuel 21 again, verse 15. And when David, he's king right now, and when King David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became, let's say this together, he became what? Weak and exhausted. Turn to somebody and tell them, hey, even David got tired. Even David got tired. I mean, David, he's, he's a warrior. He's like the Russell Crowe of his day. He is a stud. But even warriors can grow weak from the battle. Like when you go and, and you play in the, in the ocean, um, those waves, they're fun but for a while, but man, they just hit you and they just wear you out, don't they? After a while, you just kind of crawl out of the ocean because you're so tired from all of those waves that hit you over and over again. That's exactly what's happening here with David in this story. There, there are times where you and I are going to be in the thick of the battle. And you will get weak and exhausted. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're going to get weak, you're going to get exhausted. You're going to get weak. You're going to get exhausted. Listen, I, I, last year, I, I went through an incredibly trying and difficult time in my life last year, some of you are familiar with that, and, and it was incredibly overbearing, and, and the weight of the world was on me, and, and I just, it was, I was weak, and I was exhausted. And I was sitting with a, a mentor of mine, and a, a friend, and I was sitting with him, and he just looked at me, and he said, Brad, he said, be human. I was like, what do you mean, be human? He said, you're not Jesus and you're not Chuck Norris. <laughs> be human. In, in other words, Brad, it, it's okay to be upset about what's happening in your life. It's okay to, to admit you're weak and exhausted. It's, it's okay to admit this hurts. 
It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to have all of these emotional feelings that we have as humans. But for some reason, when we become followers of Jesus, for some reason, we take our humanness and we set it aside. Like, now I'm not allowed to be human. Look at Jesus. Jesus, what? Fully God, fully man. Fully God, fully man. Yet when you look at him in the garden right before he was to go to the cross, he was weak and he was exhausted. And he needed men in his life. He had Peter, James, and John. He said, I need you guys to come pray with me. Because he got weak and he got exhausted. Now, I don't know how you are, but I'm terrible at recognizing when I'm weak and exhausted. I'm pretty good at fooling myself into thinking that I'm strong. You guys ever do that? Like you just mustered up, oh yeah, I got this. I got this, I'm fine. No, I'm good, I'm good. I'm going to strap this on. I've got this, man. I'm going to make my way through this. Let me give you just some things. This is what I've seen in my own life. Maybe this will help some of you today. Here's some ways that I personally have recognized that I'm, I'm weak and exhausted. I'm, I'm easily angered. I know that when I'm weak and exhausted, I'm easily angered. Like last year, when I was in the middle of this, I was driving on the, the Creek Turnpike, and I was coming on to 169, and it merges into uh, one lane before you get on the highway. And I could see this guy coming from about 50 yards back, and he is flying. He's doing like 85 miles an hour. And we're coming down to one lane, and he skids around me and cuts me off. And, of course, in that moment, I just prayed for him. I was like, you know, Lord... I don't know what's going on in his life, Father, but I pray you will deliver him. And you, No, I didn't. I chased him down in Jesus' name. I do not know what happened to me, but I snapped. And, and, and I lost it. Next thing I know, I'm going 85 miles an hour, weaving in morning rush hour, trying to track this guy down. Like, what am I going to do when I catch up to him? And what if it's a member of the church? You know, like, <laughs> hey, brother, just want to tell you, I missed you on Sunday. That's all I was trying to do is just trying to tell you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I mean, that's just, <laughs> what, what was I thinking? Here's, here's another one. Um, when I'm weak and exhausted, I don't know what this is about me, I cry easily. I, I, I'll cry at commercials. Like, I'll be like, oh, look at that puppy. I know it's a laundry detergent commercial, but <laughs> he's lost and somebody needs to help that puppy. I will do that. Like, why am I crying over a stupid 30-second commercial? Because I'm weak and exhausted. Simple, here's one more. I'll give you one more. Simple tasks become difficult for me. The simplest thing, like the phone will ring, I'll answer the blow dryer. I mean, that's, I just... I, I, or I, I forget how to work my phone, okay? I, I, the simplest thing can become exhausting. So I don't, I don't know what yours are, but those, those are, are a few of mine. And, but when you're weak and exhausted, here's what you need to know. You're vulnerable to the enemy, and you're vulnerable to attack. And so David, he, he was in real trouble. And the giant had him cornered and was about to kill him. And look at verse 17. But Abishai, son of Zeruiah, came to David's rescue, and he killed the Philistine. And then David's men declared this, you are not going out to battle with us again. Look at this. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? Here's what's going on here. His men in this moment, they, they knew much more was at stake here because David was king, and they knew that, that if they take David out, everybody's going to get taken out. 
He knew that the light of Israel could go out, like their hope could be taken away from them. Listen, there's more at stake here than just you and your soul. There's future generations that are at stake here. What the enemy is doing is coming wave after wave. Listen, even if you're not married, if you're single, guess what? He's thinking about your future. He's thinking about the generations that might come after you. And he's thinking, I'm going to snuff out your light so that the light in your entire family goes out. That's why it's so critical that you have these five stones that slay the giant. That you write them down, you don't take them lightly, and you carry them with you at all times. You gotta be on your knees in prayer, you gotta have the promises of God, you gotta be lifting up praise and worship, you gotta be sitting under good preaching and teaching, and you gotta have people, warriors, who will stand in the gap for you. Because here's what I know you're going to get tired. See, David had the strength to take down Goliath alone, did he not? Like he's on the battlefield? Now, yes, he has heaven's armies that are standing with him, and that is so critically important. But physically, he's alone. This is what I know. You can take down some giants all by yourself. I've taken down giants by myself. Just me, God, and heaven's armies. We're going to take down these giants. You can do that. But here's what I'm promising you. There's going to come a time where you are weak and you are exhausted. And that's when the enemy will come and cut your legs out from underneath you and take you out. That's why you've got to have that fifth stone. That's why you've got to have people that are surrounding you, men and women who will stand in the gap for you. Let me, let me, just, let me just illustrate that for you because even as a pastor, I become weak and exhausted. And you're like, really, seriously, pastor, you become weak and exhausted? Yes, why? Because I'm human. I'm not Jesus and I'm not Chuck Norris, okay? So I, I have to have men that surround me. Here, Larry, Larry, come here, come here. I didn't even tell these guys I was going to do this. Larry, come here, uh, Buddy, come, and Daniel, and Eric. Is Eric in the room somewhere? Eric, come up here, okay? I need you guys to come up here to illustrate this, okay? Come on up on the, on the stage here. Okay, so you stand right here, Larry, and you be right there, and, and come around, I want you right here. And then, um, yeah, right here, Larry. Yeah, just like this. And you're right there. We did not rehearse this. <laughs> so here's what, I want you guys to turn around, and I want you just to face out. So here, here's what I know is, is that there's times when, when I'm going to become weak, and I'm going to become exhausted. And if I try to take on the giants and step out there by myself, the giants are going to take me down. But in my own life, this is what I know, and I'm speaking just really personal here. These are men that I know I can count on. These are men in my life that have stood in the gap for me in the past and will stand in the gap for me today and will stand in the gap for me in the future. Eric, just last week, sent me a text with a scripture on it in just the right moment when I needed it. My buddy Larry, we've been friends for over 25 years, going on like 30 years now of friendship. And Larry will call me and he'll say, I'm praying for you. I'm going to be there for you. Buddy, Buddy's great at singing praise music. <laughs> I'll call Buddy and I'll be like, man, I just need you to sing that It Is Well song, Buddy. Will you just <laughs> sing it for me, brother? Sing it. No. 
But you need, a, a, you need a, somebody who will stand in the gap to praise. In other words, to encourage you. And that's what Buddy will do. He'll call, we'll, we'll talk, and, and, and I'll encourage him, and, and he'll encourage me. And when I get off the phone, I'm like, I can take down this giant now. Daniel, good preacher. He's a good preacher. But he, yeah, he got a hand tap for that. But an even better friend who can speak truth into my life. Can speak the truth to me to say, he sat down this this past week and he was just, we were just talking about church stuff and he, then he just stopped and he said, hey, how are you doing? I just want to know how are you, how are you doing. You, you, this, is, this is what you need. You don't need friends. You don't need friends when you say, let me say it this way. Here's how you know somebody is a warrior and not just an acquaintance. When, when somebody says, how are you doing, and your reply is fine, they are not a warrior in your life. You know they're a warrior when they say, how are you doing, and fine ain't going to cut it. Like they want to know what's going on in your life. So do you have, do you have men like this? Men, men, do you have men like this? Where you can fight for them and they fight for you. Where you stand in the gap for them and they stand in the gap for you. That when you're weak and you're exhausted that they say, hang on. We cannot have the light go out for you or your family. So we're going to stand in the gap for you. And we're going to go to war for you. Ladies, do you have women in your life? I could do this exercise. I could bring Laura up here. I could bring four women around her, and you would see that same picture. Do you have people that are praying for you? Are you praying for them? Do you have people that are speaking the word over you? Are you speaking the word over them? Are you encouraging them? Are they encouraging you? Are you speaking truth into their life? And then are they speaking truth into your life? These are the kind of people that we need in our life. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. So here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to do this as an exercise. I want you to grab a next step card. Grab a next step card in the chair back in front of you. Just grab a hold of that. You may be saying, man, Brad, I don't, I don't have guys like that. I don't have ladies like that in my life. And where do I get people like that? You did such a great job this morning of talking about core teams. If you're not on a core team, I would say that's your first step. Get on a core team where you can begin to meet and develop relationships like that. If you're on a core team, I would encourage you to get into a core group. Because in core groups, that's where we really feed off the word of God and we pray for one another in core groups. And you're like, if, you've, if you're not in a core group, you need, you need some warriors. You can check that box right now on the next step card. I want to get into a core group. But you don't have to wait on us. If you know two or three individuals that love Jesus like you do, after service, text them and say, can we get together for coffee this week and begin the process with them? It's as simple as that. That's how a group starts. Can we get together this week? Can we just sit down over coffee and and read the word together and then just pray for one another and encourage one another. Are you on a team? Are you on a group? David was surrounded by the right people. Let me pray for you this morning. God, in this moment, 
we ask that you would help us through the power of your Holy Spirit to identify where we're at in our lives. Every head bowed, nobody looking around. I, I won't embarrass you. I won't make you come up here, but I just want to know how you are. If you say, Brad, I'm weak and I'm exhausted and I need prayer, would you just raise your hand right now? I'm weak all over the place, hands everywhere. I'm weak, keep them up. I'm weak and I'm exhausted and I need prayer. Put your hands down. God, I pray for these men and women that are weak and are exhausted, that you would help them this week, that if they have warriors in their life, that they would reach out to those warriors. And they would say to them, I'm weak and I'm exhausted and I need your help. God, if they don't have men and women that are surrounding them, I pray that in Jesus' name, you're going to lead them to the right men and the right women in their life that are going to help them. Maybe today you're not a follower of Jesus or maybe you've been far from God walked with him at one time, but you're far from him now, and you say, man, today, I want to come home to him. I need Jesus in my life. I can't face these giants alone, and I need Jesus to help me. I want to encourage you, whether you're making that, your commitment for the very first time, or maybe you're coming back to him after you've strayed for a long time, just make this your prayer. God, I am a sinner. I'm far from you, but I'm asking you, God, to make me new, to change my life come into my heart, forgive my sin, make me a new child. Today, God, I'm choosing to follow after you. I make you my Lord, my Savior. If that was your prayer today, would you just slip up your hand so I know who you are? Did anybody make that your prayer today? Thank you in the middle here. Anybody else in the very back? I see you in the back. Anybody else you made that your prayer today? In the middle, gotcha. God, for those who've made commitments to follow you today, fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they know they are not alone. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's give God a hand clap.